Hello and welcome to the Auditorium Podcast number three with myself, your host, Dr. Bramwell, and my sidekick. Oh, uh, sorry, I'm just getting a fried egg off the radiator. Oh, God. Um, uh, uh, Mr. David Manfield. Hello there. Oh, Sorry. So you're you're one of these people who like the Americans who would um, put their food in their car bonnet, wouldn't yes, they? Yes, in, in, in LA they do that. They put a whole meal in the car bonnet wrapped in silver foil, drive off, and uh, it's cooked by the time they get home. And you taste of petrol, but it's cooked. And you're and you're applying that uh, that, that very same method radiator. with yes. the radiator in here. Yeah. Actually, I've got to say it smells it smells pretty damn good. Yeah, now not then, cooked, th- but it's lovely. It's not good. Uh, that neatly ties in, um, coincidentally, Amazingly. with with the uh, with the topic that we have on today's podcast, and that is well, it's it's um, it comes from a renegade uh, a chef, cook, and uh, comedian George Egg. You've worked with George Egg in the past, haven't you, Dave? I, I have. I've I've hosted several nights where he's well, he's appeared, um, and he's a, he's a very what I call a very superior prop comedian. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me at all that he's looked at his uh, hotel room and. Uh, applied his own principles to it so this is just to clarify so this is a talk about a man who uh, disappointed and frustrated with a lack of good food on offer as, as a comedian working late nights in clubs returns to his hotel room and finds that if he applies a little imagination and creativity he can use the appliances in his room to cook himself a three-course meal here he is george egg on anarchist cooking hey. hello um, so yes, I just have to plug these in. My uh, my name's George Egg, and I'm a um, I'm a stand up a stand up comedian who works all over the country and spends a lot of time in hotel rooms. And uh, this is a short lecture about what I get up to when I'm in them. Uh, don't worry. I um, I have a tremendously hearty appetite. Uh, I love to eat, but it's an appetite which is easily destroyed by the prospect of walking on stage. Genuinely, I haven't eaten anything all afternoon. I've been that anxious about doing the show. I'm trying to lose weight at the moment, and if I could be permanently waiting in the wings, dieting would be easy. The problem is that nothing sharpens my appetite more than having just finished doing a show. One balances out the other, which would be all right, except, like like I say, I work nights, and when I leave a venue, between the venue and the hotel that I might be staying at, all there is to eat is fast food. Now, I'm not going to stand here and pompously pretend for a minute that I don't like fast food. Look at me. (laughs) But I can't eat it all the time. If if I did, you'd be watching a ghost. The the alternative is hotel food. But in my experience, hotel food is just as bad. In fact, hotel food is a lot worse. At least a a, a kebab from a kebab shop is made by someone who knows what they're doing because they do it all day long. A sandwich knocked up without flair or care by some night doorman isn't going to do it for me. It's also absurdly overpriced. I'm talking 9.95 for cheese and pickle. That's in the Radisson in Leeds. <laughs> Don't go there hungry. I'm not happy spending. I'm not happy spending that sort of money uh, not on a sandwich. What I am happy doing is cooking my own food, and what I'm also very happy doing is sticking it to the man. So I had to think. And I came up with an interesting and innovative solution. So George has just placed a couple of irons face up on an ironing board and they've been propped up by a handful of Gideon Bibles. These, by the way, these are set to linens. They're going to get very hot. Um, I'm going to be sipping from minibar, uh, minibar bottle of white wine. Uh, I've got to remain calm. Obviously, it would be awful if I were to knock them flying into the front row <laughs> again. Uh, George is holding up an egg whisk here made from wire coat hangers. 
I like, um, well, I've got to go, I've, I've, I've got 15 minutes to do this. There we go. I like warm pita bread and hummus. So when I, uh, when I first had the idea, I, um, I brought along both items uh, to the Premier Inn that I was staying at. Now, I discovered, I discovered that if you iron pita bread, it puffs up in much the same way as it does when you put it uh, under a hot grill. Yeah, if you, if you wet it first, it works even better. Or, or if reception have given you a steam iron, you can just press the appropriate button and then, thump, big, lovely, soft, warm pitters. Hey? Maybe I've, maybe I've misjudged you. Maybe you're more of, a, more of a panini audience, yeah? A nice cheesy panini, e easily done. Just get yourself a, a bridge roll, or if you want to be all American about it, a, a submarine roll, yeah? Uh, slice it, fit, fill it with uh, cheese, bit of ham, bit of onion. In that instance, it's a case of it's a case of pressing the iron down, and then you'll need to go away for for uh, you know uh, ten minutes or so. Uh, but when you come back, nice, nice thick cheesy panini. Hey, hmm? if you look around the room, you'll also find you'll also find that you've got a uh, a kettle. Okay, now if you've got a kettle, that opens the door. Uh, to all sorts. Pasta, obviously, yeah, you can, um, you can do... George has now poured his pancake mix onto one of the hot, upturned irons. It's very important that you, that you uh, use butter, because otherwise the, the pancakes can stick, and, uh, and that might damage the irons. So, um, you can do pasta, obviously, uh, homemade pasta, you know, why not? Just uh, use the desk to knead, to knead the dough. Let it rest in the, uh, in the minibar fridge. Roll, roll it out with a little bottle of wine, yeah? Slice it up on a, on a coat hanger and then just into the, uh, into the kettle. And if you can boil pasta, you can boil anything. That opens the door to rice, vegetables, moule marinière. I've done it. Genuinely, I had it with chips. <laughs> I bought those, I didn't make them, only because I'm not brave enough to fill a kettle with oil instead of water. I, um, eggs, obviously, eggs uh, are easy. Um, boiling eggs in a kettle, you know. Poach them, just need a bit of vinegar, which you can get in little sachets from the breakfast room. Yeah, you can scramble them. Can't scramble them in a kettle. Yeah. Well, you can, actually, you need a bag, and it's complicated. If you Twitter me, I'll, I'll tell you how you do that. Um, I've made, uh, do you know how to make ricotta cheese? Hmm? Ricotta cheese is very, um, it's a very frugal cheese, very sensible. It's, it's, it's made, uh, it's, a, it's a byproduct of the mozzarella making process. What they do is they get the curds out of the way, yeah? There's a lot of opportunity for jokes when you, do, you know, get the curds out, quick, get the curds out of the way, we go along. No, um, you get the curds out of the way and then there's protein left in the way afterwards. Uh, it's left in the way, see what I mean? Loads of them. Uh, there's protein left, and what, what they do is they let it ferment, they let that whey ferment uh, and it acidifies and then they, they heat it up and they skim off the, the smaller curds which makes the ricotta cheese. And you can do that yourself. Um, all you need is, you just need milk. You need to acidify it, uh, you force acidifying it by adding again vinegar like you do in the, with the poaching into the, into the milk. It makes the curds separate from the whey. Then you strain it through something like a, a, a pillowcase. <laughs> and, then, and then you've got Ricotta, and it works better. It works better with UHT milk than it does with uh, with fresh milk, because uh, fresh milk you need to heat it up 
more, whereas UHT milk, ultra heat treated, it's already been, already been heated up before, <laughs> see what I mean? And uh, admittedly, you do need, you do need a, a hell of a lot of these, but uh, just go into the corridor when the maids, you know, and then just fill up your dressing gown. And you need 212 to make one portion of vegetarian lasagna. So, there you go. I've made, uh, I've made mayonnaise in a sink. Yeah? <laughs> That's not a euphemism. <laughs> I, um, I've, made, um, I've made garlic and coriander naan breads. Yeah? Um, once I've made them, I've heated them up in a trouser press. <laughs> a Corby 5000. Yeah. Very nice. I had, I had them with uh, chutney, and as I did, I relished the prospect. Yeah, yeah that some weeks later a poor businessman would turn up to some miserable little conference wondering, <laughs> wondering why he smelt like an Indian. <laughs> I've, um, by, the, by which I mean an Indian takeaway, not an Indian person. <laughs> I've made, uh, I've got a sweet tooth today, gentlemen. I've, um, as you can see, I'm doing the, the, the pancakes here. I'm just gonna get some, do some nuts on top of here as well. I've got a bit of a sweet tooth. I've made uh, ice cream before by uh, using a, a, a cereal bowl over a simmering kettle as a bain-marie. And then just egg yolks, sugar, cream, vanilla. Mm? These nuts sit on the little, uh, sit on the little divots there, like that. And then the, the ice cream. To make the ice cream, I, I built this. This is a rudimentary ice cream maker, <laughs> made made out of an ice bucket with a cup suspended in the middle, and then a churning device made from hangers. <laughs> and then the custard goes in there, and the void between the two is filled with ice from the machine in the corridor. And then like that, and, and someone told me that, that if you put salt in the ice, it makes it colder. But uh, it's not true. So there you go. But well, they were nearly right. What, you need to freeze salt water. I mean, you need to make a salt solution and freeze that. But the only way you could do that would be to make your own salt solution. Uh, you know, go down to the to the, the kitchens and, and 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 freeze it. And the only way you could do that would be to kidnap a member of staff and steal their uniform. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> I made, a, um, I, made a, I made a tiramisu on one occasion. This was a challenge I set myself. A tiramisu using just, just the ingredients that the hotel uh, provides for free. So uh, complimentary biscuits soaked in extra strong complimentary coffee between layers of whipped non-dairy coffee whitener yeah, with a bit of sugar laced with booze from the minibar and then finally dusted with complimentary hot chocolate powder. And the resulting dessert was, you'll be surprised to hear this, absolutely disgusting. So, I, um, the more observant of you will have noticed I, I just referred to the, the free ingredients uh, and, then, and then I mentioned the contents of the minibar, which of course is, is far from free. It's absurdly overpriced. Um, it can be free though, I'll tell you how. Minibars have, how can I explain this? They've got, uh, in the, on the shelves, there's, there's like... Have you seen the film Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah? You know at the beginning, you know, you know at the beginning when he, when he, goes, he goes to the, the, temple, the temple of the Chachapoyan warriors in Peru and he steals the, the fertility idol from the booby-trapped plinth and it sets the big stone ball. Mini bars work in the same way. They've got touch-sensitive pads inside them and you steal, you, you take a bottle of wine or whatever and then reception's alerted and a big stone ball's released. Chase you. No, um, 
and your bill's charged accordingly. You can get around that. What you, what you do is, is when you take the bottle of wine or whatever, you just need to immediately replace it with something of the same weight. So a little shampoo or a shower gel from the bathroom, like that, there, and then you've got free booze. Hmm? So you can all do that. There's another type of hotel whose, whose minibars operate on something called the honesty system. So um, that's easy, easy to get around as well. So uh, let's just dress those with a bit of that. So um, I hope someone's going to eat these, because I made them for you. Hmm? So you're too far away. Look, this lady here, what would you, I'll give them to you, and then you can pass them around, and, and everyone can have a little go. I'm going to say at your own risk, just so you don't sue me. Um, I will explain this. this. This is just basically sort of stage one, as far as I'm concerned of this. this I'm going to do a lot more. Uh, I've got a, a wonderful idea. I love the idea of gutting roadkill in the bath. Yeah? Or, or maybe not roadkill, maybe just kill. Hey? Don't worry, I'm not talking about some poor Latvian chambermaid who no one's going to miss. <laughs> or am I? I um, there's, often, there's often pigeons uh, or seagulls mucking around outside the window. They could be lured, lured to the sill with crumbled up uh, fruit shrewsbury biscuits, yeah? <laughs> seized, seized by the neck, dragged inside, dispatched with a swift blow from the hairdryer, <laughs> by, by which I mean a blow, not a blow. That wouldn't do much good, would it? The meat could be thinly sliced, uh, spiced, marinated, hung on the heated towel rail for the weekend, and you've got yourself biltong. So... That's what I'm going to do next. Before I go, are the, how are the pancakes? They're not bad, are they, considering the circumstances? So. Before I go, um, despite, despite what this appears to be, as far as I'm concerned, this is, this is about looking at your perceived parameters and, you know, and then looking beyond them. It's about thinking about what you've, what you've got and then thinking, what else can I do with that? You know, it's about challenge, it's about struggle, it's about innovation. I mean, it's mainly about buggering up hotel equipment doing something naughty and saving a few pounds. But there you go. Thank you very much. Good afternoon. Thank you. George Egg there with his anarchist cooking. I had the great pleasure of seeing George actually do that as a, as a one-hour show in, uh, in Brighton Festival last year. And, and, he, and throughout the uh, through performance, he, he ends up cooking a, a three-course meal on stage and then feeds the audience at the end of the gig. It's fantastic. Fan- oh. And was it any good? The food was delicious. I mean, really? there was, yeah, there was a shit fight to get to the front. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, that's unpleasant in a fringe theatre. But uh, yeah, well, the fact that it actually works quite so well. On the on the subject of food, we have we have uh, our our biscuit. We, we were. The, what are we on this week? We're well, this week. We are on the on the shortbread, <laughs> and the shortbread is is probably one of the most uh, simple uh, and effective designs in the in the biscuit world. And traceable back to the 1300s. So this is one of the oldest biscuits. You yeah. hold in your hand almost a prehistoric yes. design. This is like one of those mollusks, isn't it? It's, it's like the fern of the biscuit world. This is the progenitor from which all biscuits sprung. In many ways, yes. In mm. many other ways, no. <laughs> but, <laughs> but for many years, they fought for it not to be a biscuit. The Scots, yeah. So yeah. This, this is a biscuit. There's, there's so many... Many years ago, I wrote a book about alcohol and every bloody 
um, the spirit that came up. There were a dozen countries all claiming that you know they'd invented gin and all the rest of it. Yes. And no, there's there's no dispute around this. The Scots are undisputedly the uh, creators of of the shortbread, and uh, and it, it remains to this day the, the the favorite biscuit or the biscuit of choice of the Glaswegians. <laughs> yeah, and and the rest of Scotland. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a jolly good. Shortbread. Well, I think no, I think there'd been there had been a poll, and oh, really? and, and I think I think you know Edinburgh they they I don't they know the, hob, the hobnob or something. Yeah, had, of course, had, they you know, were posh the, types. They are a bit posh in Edinburgh. Yeah. And uh, and there's the variations of this. Even though I mean, this is just three ingredients in the in the shortbread. That's salt, butter, and flour, and that's your lot. And and heroin. Uh, and heroin. and uh, oh, and sugar, of course. Yes. There's sugar. There's sugar. Without the sugar, it would um, it would be a salty biscuit. Wouldn't it, it would. But uh, there's salt as well. That's the other th- there is salt. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, the, the Scots. I mean, the Scots. Yeah, no, I know. I can't do the porridge thing with water oh, and salt. It's I just I realised the other day. You know, Scottish um, porridge yeah. is oats. And seawater, isn't yes, it? Yes, That's what it is. Disgusting. But yeah. um, anyway, back to the back to the shortbread. <laughs> we apologise to any Scottish listeners. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, in, in the Shetlands, they add caraway seeds, so they they have their own, own variation Disgusting. on this. Disgusting. Yeah, horrible. Can't I don't imagine. know. We need to try it. And and the shortbread comes in one of three classic shapes. There's the obviously the one that we're holding now, which yeah. is in fact we haven't even bitten into them yet. No. Is the uh, the the slab, the finger, yeah, um, the spherical one, and then the most exotic of the, the three. Phallus. The phallus, yeah. <laughs> the, the petticoat tails. The petticoat tails, that's right. Um, yes. And uh, and this biscuit is, is allegedly um, a, a biscuit to be eaten with uh, with coffee, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, wine, which makes less sense. No and sense sh- at all. And champagne, which I just can't get my head around I the idea of having a glass of champagne. Anyone going? I'm going to have a champagne and shortbread party. That's right. that's the that doesn't make any sense to me at all. I wonder whether George can actually. I mean, I haven't seen him make biscuits on stage. He can pretty much turn his hand to anything in his hotel room. I wonder whether we should set him the challenge to make some shortbread. Why don't we set our listeners a challenge to see if they can cook a biscuit on a household appliance and send the results in photograph form to, to us? That's a fantastic idea. Okay, listeners, so please have a go at making some biscuits in a hotel room. Um, close by and um, and send your results to as always Mr Mountfield and Dr Bramwell Auditorium Podcast UK England Europe Europe and that will get to us within within a day or two <laughs> The Auditorium is presented by Dr Bramwell and Mr Mountfield and is produced by Andrew Mailing and Dr. Lance Dan, who's actually a real doctor. Find out more about us and upcoming live events at oddpodcast.com. To speak at one of our events, or just to say hello, email oddpodcastuk at gmail.com. Tales from the Auditorium regularly feature in Ernest's Journal, a magazine for the curious and adventurous. To pick up a copy, head to earnestjournal.co.uk. 